Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guests Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, and Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be joining us as well. It is June the 7th. And on this day in 1913, Hudson Stuck, an Alaskan missionary, led the first successful ascent of Denali, formerly known as Mount McKinley, the highest point of the American continent at 20,320 feet. It's a long way up there. Stuck, an accomplished amateur mountaineer, was born in London in 1863. After moving to the United States in 1905, he became Archdeacon of the Episcopal Church in Yukon, Alaska. Stuck traveled Alaska's difficult terrain to preach villagers to villagers and establish schools. In March 1913, the adventure-seeking Stuck set out from Fairbanks for Denali with three companions, Harry Karstens, co-leader of the expedition, Walter Harper, whose mother was a Native American, and Robert Tatum, a theology student. Their arduous journey made more than challenging by difficult weather and a fire in one of those camps, uh, which destroyed food and supplies. However, the group persevered, and on June the 7th, Harper, followed by the rest of the party, was the first person to set foot on Denali's South Peak, considered the mountain's true summit. In 1910, a group of climbers had reached the lower North Peak. Stuck referred to the mountain by its uh, uh, Indian name, Denali, meaning the high one. In 1889, the mountain, over half of which was covered with permanent snowfields, was dubbed Desmores Peak after a prospector named Frank Desmore. In 1896, it was renamed in honor of Senator William McKinley, who became president that year. Mount McKinley's National Park was established as a wildlife refuge in 1917. Harry Karsten served as the park's first superintendent. In 18, 1980, the park was expanded and renamed Denali National Park and Preserve. Encompassing 6 million acres, the park is larger than Massachusetts. In 2015, the mountain was officially renamed Denali. Hudson uh, Stuck died in Alaska on October the 10th, 1920. <laughs> Today, over 1,000 hopeful climbers attempt to scale Denali each year, with about half of them successfully reaching their goal. Not Denali. That, well, back in that day, can you imagine climbing mountains and being a missionary? Well, interesting guy. Here's a quote from the day. Have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born while other people are not being held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? Certainly seems to be a point of absurdity. That's Thomas Sewell. Quote from Tom, the great economist Thomas Sewell. In a record-breaking trend that appears to have no end in sight, sales of civilian guns have topped $1 million for 34 straight months. The FBI said this week that the background checks for May totaled 2,349,383, the third highest ever for a May. Americans continue to buy firearms for personal safety. These gun owners are law-abiding Americans who use their firearms for lawful purposes daily, he added. If passing by trends, uh, buying trends hold, the mass shootings over the past week in Buffalo, New York, Uvalde, Texas, and Tulsa, Oklahoma will spark more sales to those who look for self-defense. Oliva said uh, those purchasers reject the attempts by special interest groups to paint them with the same broad brush as those who criminally misuse firearms. The tragic events in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas are sobering reminders that there are those in our society who have no respect for law or innocent lives. Every law-abiding adult uh, has the right to defend themselves and their loved ones against the, this evil. Gun stores claim more customers show up daily looking for self-protection, especially following a publicized shooting or news story about politicians grabbing guns. By the way, has anyone checked to see if Joe... Uh, Biden owns stock in Smith & Wesson, for example. Anytime he makes a comment about gun control, you see a spike in gun sales. Pretty amazing, isn't it? He's probably our best salesman, Joe Biden. <clears throat> 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' administration is fighting against Biden administration policies such as the U.S. Department of Agriculture's decision to deny school lunches to states that refuse to implement woke agenda ideology in the schools, the governor reiterated on Sunday. Can you believe that? In Florida, we're fighting against Biden's intentionally destructive policies like denying school lunches for states that refuse to implement woke agenda ideology in schools. DeSantis said, referencing a portion of a speech he delivered last week, walking Floridans through the state's Freedom First budget, we're prepared for what Biden throws our way, he said during the speech. And, you know, yes, part of it is that inflation and gas and part of it is intentionally destructive policies like trying to deny school lunch programs for states that don't do transgender ideology in the schools, he continued. Indeed, Biden Department of Agriculture last month announced its decision to tie school lunch funding to compliance with Biden's administration's interpretation of the prohibition on discrimination found in Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, meaning schools must bow to woke transgender ideology embraced by the radical left. Can you believe that? You're not going to get school lunches if you don't do that. Amazing. The agenda made the formal announcement on May the 5th. The Department of Agriculture's uh, Food Administration Service, or USDA, announced today that it will interpret the prohibition of, on discrimination based on sex found in Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 and in the Food and Nutrition Act of 2008 as amended Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is SNAP, formerly the Food Stamp Program, to include discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity under the leadership of the Biden-Harris administration, USDA and FNS are issuing the interpretation to help ensure its programs are open, accessible, and even promote food and nutrition security, regardless of demographics. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack was pleased by the decision to threaten to, to tie acceptance to the radical left agenda's uh, ideology of food uh, funding of school lunches. <clears throat> USDA is committed to administering all of its programs with equity and fairness and serving those in need with the highest dignity, Vilsack said. A key step in advancing these principles is rooting our discrimination, outrooting our discrimination in any form, including discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. At the same time, we must recognize the vulnerability of the LGBTQI plus communities and provide them with an avenue to grieve any discrimination they face, he added. We hope that by standing firm against these equities, inequities, we will help bring about much-needed change. Uh, there's a report that no government schools will be able to ex- seek exemption from the rule, leaving it up to parents and individual school districts to fight the rule in court. That is just so absurd. Gender identity, where did that come from? And all of a sudden, it's uh, one of the determinants for receiving school lunches. That, that's just totally absurd. This administration is totally off the rails. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis seemingly became a household name overnight during the Chinese coronavirus pandemic, challenging the mainstream media's narratives and norms and forging his own approach blocking out the critics and pursuing freedom-centric policies that have continued to send members of corporate media and Washington bureaucrats into a state of disarray. He's not showing any signs of stopping. DeSantis took the helm as Florida governor in uh, January 2019. Little did he know that the next year would spiral American into one of the most unconventional situations in modern American history. As fears of the China coronavirus spread like wildfire, leading to millions of Americans locking down and radically changing their way of life. But as more information came out and officials showed no signs of halting unscientific rules, regulations, and mandates, DeSantis took action, taking the bold step of reopening the state despite anger and warnings from critics. The following month were filled with micro battles as the mainstream media continually upheld former Governor Andrew Cuomo's New York's gold standard for proper virus protocol, despite seeing the highest number of fatalities and thousands of livelihoods destroyed via extended lockdowns. DeSantis' freedom-centric movement proved to be right, following the true science uh, showing the inefficacy of uh, forced masking. Florida, which never had a statewide mask mandate in place, routinely reported fewer cases of virus than pro-lockdown blue states and challenging the mainstream narrative. 
Many states eventually followed the Florida's footsteps, but even as they were reopening, many local and state officials attempted to force vaccines on individuals, forcing them to make a choice between getting the shot and keeping their job. DeSantis took most part in his administration, fought vigorously for medical reform, signing legislation in November 2021 designed to protect Floridians from losing their jobs over vaccine mandates. At the same time, it was described as the strongest piece of legislation that's been enacted anywhere in the country in this regard. The proof of the popularity of DeSantis' policies are in the numbers as the Sunshine State saw the highest level of domestic travel in the state's history last year. Since then, DeSantis has continued to describe his state as the free state of Florida, while actions taken throughout the pandemic trust the governor to the national spotlight or thrust him into the uh, national spotlight, DeSantis' work has not ended there. He continued to make national headlines for actions be- taken beyond reopening his state throughout the pandemic. The conservative firebrand, Governor DeSantis, frequent press conferences have become a fan favorite of Floridians as the governor refuses to shy away from speaking truths and tackling issues that far too many political hopefuls lose the gumption to do once they actually take office. That's not been the Florida governor's style, and he's showing no signs of of stopping. Brenner writes soared to the national spotlight during the Virginia governor's race. Former gubernatorial hopeful Terry McAuliffe perhaps encompassed the mentality loathed by many American parents after he proudly declared, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. He actually said that. Then-candidate Glenn Youngkin capitalized on that, vowing to root out Marxist ideology, critical race theory, from schools, and he secured a victory, a victory that sent a national message, parents had enough. DeSantis did not ignore the national outcry as the Florida legislature took on the same issue, leading to his signature of the measure designed to ban critical race theory in schools. We believe in education, not indoctrination, DeSantis said in April, adding that we're not going to allow teachers uh, and teach uh, a person simply by virtue of his race, color, national origin, or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive. And that's wrong, he added. We're not going uh, to make we're going to make sure that a person's moral character or status as either privilege or oppresses, necessarily determines his or her race, color, national origin, or sex. That is not allowed. This is wrong, and we are not going to teach that, he declared. The same month, DeSantis defended the Florida Department of Education for rejecting dozens of books due to the infusion of Common Core and critical race theory. Coinciding with this debate over the parental rights in education, was the, which prohibits classroom discussions on sexual orientation and gender identity for children in kindergarten to third grade, the left vehemently fought against the bill, falsely called it Don't Say Gay, even though the legislation does not target a single sexual orientation whatsoever. DeSantis did not buckle, even as the legislation made national news, signing the bill and hitting Disney back, proving to the end in the company's self-government privileges and continually noting their hypocrisy of profiting off working with Chinese Communist Party after supposedly family-friendly company vowed to fight the law which champions parental freedoms. And look, there are policy disputes, and that's fine. But when you're trying to impose a woke ideology on a state, you know, you, we view this as a significant threat. This wokeness will destroy the country if we let it run unabated, the governor warned. In recent months, the topics have gone far beyond critical issues as Americans are experiencing rampant inflation and ever-rising gas prices, hitting new record highs on a near-daily basis. He's consistently pointed back to the Biden administration. They're canceling oil and gas leases in places like Alaska, and people uh, that have to fill up their gas tanks are the ones that are paying the price for these bad policy, he said last month, knocking Biden for attacking American energy independence and running to dictators for help. He's also referred to the inflation as a self-inflicted wound, pointing again to Biden's policies and explaining that prices of everyday goods are actually much higher than the inflation rate. I mean, look at gasoline, up 50% over the last year, plus used cars up 35% to be able to get a used car. Gas utilities up 22%, meat and poultry 14%, electricity up 11%, he said in April, explaining that basic staples that people need just to live basic life are going up much faster than 8.5%. As a result, the Senate administration took action again, as he assigned a $1.2 billion tax relief bill as he attempts to relieve Floridians of the burden of the Biden economy. <clears throat> that relief package includes a series of state-free holidays, tax-free holidays, including 
an upcoming $200 million gas tax holiday taking place in October, which is expected to reduce fuel prices by 25 cents a gallon. The holiday also makes baby items, including diapers, tax-free for the next year. But most recently, DeSantis' administration is setting its sights on another highly contested topic, one that is likely to make national headlines. The state's Secretary of Agency for Health Care Administration requests a report from Floridian Medicaid on the issue of transgenderism and gender-affirming care, and it's set to release a formal report questioning the science behind what radical transgender activists tout as gender-affirming care for those who believe they are actually a member of the opposite sex. So you can see what he's done. It's one thing after another that he's done in order to keep uh, Florida free. It remains to be seen where this goes, but DeSantis' track record speaks for itself. <clears throat> and quite frankly, uh, the Democrat Party is falling <laughs> to pieces in the process. It's just pretty unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. In fact, I served as board chairman for 15 years, extremely proud of uh, being, my association with the organization and see this, see it flourishing now. You can get tickets, and providing you, by the way, professional New York-style theater at its very best. Tickets are available at golfshoreplayhouse.org. I hope you check out the web sh- website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> The Supreme Court last week paused the count of some mail-in ballots that could impact the Pennsylvania state GOP primary race. The order temporarily blocked the lower court's ruling that instructed election officials to count mail-in ballots that arrived on time but were undated. 
The dispute involves a contested 2021 judicial election, but may have a broader impact on the state's ongoing Senate GOP primary between one-time TV Dr. Oz and former hedge funder David McCormick. Now, David McCormick has uh, raised the white flag. He's saying, nope, uh, I concede. But at this point, with the Supreme Court action is pretty important. The primary battle headed to an automatic recount last week after tallies showed that Oz led McCormick by a few, fewer than 1,000 votes. McCormick's campaign, meanwhile, filed a suit asking that state order that approximately 860 mail-in ballots with missing handwritten dates be counted. The high court's uh, Tuesday order came from Justice Samuel Alito, who handles emergency issues out of Pennsylvania. What I didn't realize, just found out a little while ago, is that apparently each of these justices is assigned different state issues and can respond quickly if need to, and if the need is there, uh, to address issues, state issues. He issued an administrative stay, which will allow the court to limit amount of time, uh, additional time to consider the case. The court's decision effectively halts a decision by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit, which last week ruled that undated mail-in ballots should be counted. Now, here's the interesting thing. The law says uh, that uh, all ballots must be dated and signed. Must be dated and signed. So how in the world can a court, an appeals court, decide we're going to count ballots that are unsigned? It seems to me uh, politics is involved in that somehow, some way, but it's great to see Justice Alito, Associate Justice Alito, stand up for what's right and the rule of law. So if you think uh, crazy Liz Cheney was bad leading up to the January 6th commission, <laughs> watch as we inch closer to the Wyoming public primary. On uh, January 16th, Cheney will be the ballot on the ballot against President Trump's endorsed U.S. Senate candidate Harriet Hegman. Recently, President Trump held a rally to help generate enthusiasm for Hegman. The former president is fighting to help rid Washington, D.C. of one of the most toxic Republican turncoats in history. Phony Republicans across the nation are facing similar battles. Liz Cheney, quite frankly, is just a fraud. She's not from Wyoming. She doesn't represent the interests of people in Wyoming, and she's now been... Uh, removed from the Republican Party in, in Wyoming. Even the Wyoming Republican Party kicked her out. She's like a cancer that is eating away from the fabric of American conservatism. Liz Cheney is really a liberal progressive wearing a Republican uniform, but her time on the Republican team may be short-lived. A new survey from uh, Signal shows that less than 30% of Wyoming voters have a favorable opinion of Liz Cheney. More than 70% of registered voters have an unfavorable opinion of the phony U.S. representative from Wyoming. Massive at-large district. <clears throat> Cheney's only hope of winning is the unusually large turnout of independents and Democrats for a Republican primary. Proud Wyoming conservatives should be very wary of crooked liberal tactics. Back in 2018, a group called the Switch for Wyoming tried to urge Democrats to switch parties long enough to sway a Republican primary for governor. Wyoming is one of only 17 states where voters can change their party affiliation and then turn around and vote the same day. Democrats would be able to cast a ballot to determine the Democrat representative for November. However, getting to a phony Republican would be just as a viable strategy. Furthermore, it would cement the fact that Democrats vote out of animosity, not patriotism. So just imagine this. Uh, the, the Democrat uh, approach is, hey, you know what? Liz Cheney is going to lose this election, but let's vote for her in the primary because she is the despicable, unlikable candidate, and therefore we can promote a Democrat running in the in the. Uh, in the election that uh, could beat Cheney. So that would be the strategy. Uh, kind of interesting, huh? It kind of makes a case for the way we do it here in Florida, which is, hey, uh, <clears throat> you're, if you're going to vote, uh, you're going to have to vote along party lines, or you, or you have to vote in the primary uh, for which you're registered. That's the way we do it here in Florida. And it's a better way to do it, quite frankly. In California, they basically say they just take the two top candidates Republican, or, so it could be two Democrats running against each other as opposed to a Republican and a Democrat, each putting up one in their party. So there's a different ways to do it across the states, but I like the way we do it here in Florida. You register and you vote in the primaries uh, in the parties for which you're registered. Makes a lot of sense. Well, in May, a group called Accountable Tech, which called itself a not small not-for-profit taking on big tech companies, organized a corporate boycott to protest Elon Musk's buy of 
bid to buy Twitter, which quite now, right now, he's saying is in jeopardy. In the Midwest, a group called Opportunity Wisconsin, which bills itself as a coalition of Wisconsin residents, ran a deluge of TV ads slamming Republican Senator Ron Johnson for his tax policies. And in Arizona, an organization of grassroots radical justice activists called Just Democracy released a video blasting Democrat Senator Kirsten Sinema for failing to support the Biden administration's legislative agenda. None of these groups actually exist. They are all registered trade names for the North Fund, a, sh- a shape-shifting nonprofit group that uses aliases to push an array of left-wing causes from a shell office in Washington, D.C., according to corporate records. Political uh, watchdogs say the fund, which isn't required to disclose the donors behind its $66 million budget, is gearing up to be one of the most consequential dark money players of the midterm elections. And while astroturf groups are nothing new in politics, critics say the North Fund is part of a new breed moving away from specific policy advocacy and delving into electoral politics. North Fund said, uh, said, screw it, said Hayden Ludwig, a senior investigator with the Capital Research Center. They've just decided to be as partisan as they can. Their money has been pretty much exclusively focused on the Senate races, on ballot initiatives, and a few things Related to that, Ludwig said, the general theme here is cementing permanent Democrat majorities in Congress. What a shame. Isn't that a shame? It should be that uh, we vote on policy and we vote on uh, the character of the candidates. But these people are basically pushing their agenda, just like George Soros does with uh, Gascon and some of the other district attorneys that he's put in place with his uh, large largesse, uh, his political largesse. What a shame. This money has the North Fund. Keep that name in mind. We'll hear more about it. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with my wife, Linda. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the robust website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Linda Harden. She's my wife, beautiful wife, my companion, my lover. 
She's also uh, writes Greetings from Paradise. She hasn't come out with that for a while, but uh, that's something that she does that I think the community enjoys quite a bit. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. By the way, good morning, and it's early. <clears throat> this is an unusual time for me, but yeah. I'm happy to be here. By the way, I found out that um, the company that, that I had to hire to put out Greetings from Paradise is Woke. Uh-oh. So I guess uh, you're going to cut ties with them for sure. Oh, boy. So, uh, hey, I understand that for the, about the third or fourth, fifth time, uh, you're out of Facebook jail. I was in jail, Facebook jail, for 24 hours for posting true stuff. And so um, I'm just going to test them because after, now that I'm out of Facebook jail, I'm going to post the same thing and see. I'm, I'm, You know what? I am so annoyed with these these social media companies that um, that get in the way of our First Amendment rights of free speech. I mean, they they only want you to post what they what is okay with them, yep. and it doesn't matter if it's the truth or not. They only want you to post what uh, what their propaganda is. And it's by the way, I, I got an email. I posted um, that I was in Facebook jail last night. On uh, I sent an email out, and one of a, a friend of ours. Um, got back to me who works for a local real estate company and said, guess what? Um, we have to be very careful because the company that they work for is watching everything they post on Facebook. Yeah, it's, it's really a shame. I mean, right now, the uh, Elon Musk, now he's saying the deal with uh, Twitter is, uh, is in jeopardy primarily because uh, they, he's concerned and with evidence to, to, to back it that uh, there's a lot of bots and false subscribers to Twitter in other words, it's an echo chamber for liberals, and uh, because conservative thought can't be expressed, uh, it ends up that uh, people, I don't know, do you pay attention to what's in Twitter? I've been banned, I can't, I'm banned from Twitter. I've yeah. been banned permanently from Twitter twice for speaking truth to power. So, um, right, it's a, it's a, a echo chamber for, for liberals, and they don't want that taken away because that's how they get their their word out, and Elon Musk is blowing it up, which is great. By the way, getting back to Facebook, let me yeah. just say this about that. Remember Tucker Carlson last night had Kyle Rittenhouse on? Yes. Kyle Rittenhouse is suing the pants off of Facebook because guess what? They're they're monitoring what everybody else, um, they're, what everybody else says, but they can call him a mass murderer. Right, that's what they did. And in fact, uh, I'm really proud of this young man. He's now, he's got a great attorney and uh, he's formed an organization and he's suing not only uh, Facebook, but a number of news LeBron outlets. LeBron James. Le is he really? Yep, yeah. he's suing LeBron James. Well, he, uh, he was just announced he's a billionaire now. <laughs> so he, he's got the pockets in order to afford the, but anyhow, the point being is that, uh, so you, you have to be careful what you say. You can't accuse people of being a mass murderer and get away with it. Thank you, Carl uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I think it's great that he's doing this. Well, and he's following after that um, that young man who who was um, who was demonized. Remember the the I can't remember his name right now, but he Nicholas Sandman. Nicholas Sandman yeah. was on the Capitol steps or the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, whatever, and and um, doing nothing. And uh, several news outlets, including CNN. Uh, demonized him and made it seem like he was doing something nefarious, and he was not. And he sued them and got an undisclosed settlement not only, to be in six figures. Uh, well, uh, with a number of news outlets, as I understand, not just one. No, I know, but that's the one that that's, yeah. that was... Um, that, that we were made aware of. So uh, True Social is out now, and I think it's getting some traction. I belong to True Social. In fact, I post my show on True Social. Uh, what's your opinion at this point? Well, I like True Social because I see all my the the people that that were also banned from Twitter forever and ever are on <laughs> True Social. So it's like a reunion, and and everybody's able to post stuff, and and it's it's great. By the way, in, I've been on Telegram for a while now. You know that's where I get all my news. And now they're they're getting they're putting the screws to their um, the people that are on them too. So you're kidding? Uh 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 uh. And it and and you know what it's. Trump was so smart to put out this truth social uh, uh, social media platform because people are just getting fed up, yeah, well, being you know, told what to do by these big tech organizations. By the way, can I just tell you, speaking of big tech, um, you know we watch Naomi Wolf on Tucker and, and, and Bannon and uh, Bannon's War Room and whatever, and she's done a, 
a great uh, service by going through all these Pfizer documents that were supposed to be sealed for 75 years and, and exposing all the, the uh, horrible things that this Pfizer vaccine has done to people. Well, a friend of ours, um, when I told her about Naomi Wolf, Googled uh, Naomi Wolf. And Na uh, Google provided a negative uh, that she's that she's lies that she's they just told a bunch of untruths about her. Yeah, I don't believe here uh, for listeners that may not be aware. Naomi Wolf uh, is a PhD. She has assembled now in her organization. It's because it called Clout something. Clout IO, yeah. Clout IO. Clout IO. Dot IO. And so uh, she has now assembled about three thousand people that are going through all these Including Pfizer. Attorneys. Uh, attorneys and uh, people who are volunteers. going through, uh, volunteers going through the Pfizer documents in order to look for uh, people that are being. I think it's just one example is a woman who were pregnant who took the Pfizer vaccine. Turns out that that it really created harm for these pregnant women. Like their and babies died. The baby, many. Uh, I'm going to say a majority or a large percentage of the babies died uh, during the trials. And this information is being hid was hidden by the uh, by Pfizer. It's just unconscionable. Well, and so now Google is 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 making up lies about her. I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, Naomi Wolf has perfect uh, right to sue Google for for posting false information about her. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're going to uh, the worm will turn on this stuff between what. Uh, Elon Musk is doing and Naomi Wolf. And by the way, if uh, if you're not aware of Naomi Wolf, you should pay attention to what she's doing. She's doing. She has a great crusade for the truth in uh, medicine. She has a good book out too, which I've ordered, which I'm going to get June 14th. It's called "In the Body of Others," and it's it's um, Amazon is trying to block it, saying you can only get so many. Um, Five copies, I think it is. Four. Four and, copies. And I mean. You can't, you know, you can't block everything yeah. until people start being a little suspicious of your motives. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Can I just say uh, on a completely different subject, um, feckless Joe Biden, who we know is clueless about anything, um, uh, forgot to say anything about D-Day, which was yesterday, mm -hmm. until 8.45 last night. And while he's parading around all this, these gun rights that you can't do this and you can't do this with uh, guns, his own son, a picture of his naked son was posted uh, flailing around with a, with a pistol in his, in his hands. I mean, the hypocrisy of, of Joe Biden and the people around him is just screaming every single day. Every uh, single day. You just think about uh, Joe Biden's... Uh uh, virtue signaling and standing up saying enough is enough and all these things. Meanwhile, his son is a, committed a felony, felony by uh, lying on an application for a gun and then how he's using the gun. It's, uh, he could just start his own family by enforcing the laws. Well, I mean, that, what a novel idea. And, and they're, they're, it's, it's, they're a total mess and they can't, they can't make enough excuses for it. They, they're, their whole administration is is in the toilet, and they they can't they can't pedal fast enough to make up. It, it's just awful to watch. And even the even the mainstream media is just going. Well, I know this this January sixth committee. Apparently, they've hired some sort of emotional guy. The guy who used to do Good Morning America. So they're going to try oh, and make it a big. <laughs> by, by the way, here's this same guy was instrumental in uh, covering up everything about Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, ABC, this Amy Robach had all this information about Jeffrey Epstein and all of his nefarious activities. And this same guy who the January 6th committee hired um, covered it up so she couldn't, she couldn't broadcast the information. She had all this stuff about, about uh, Prince Andrew. She had the whole stuff about the Kennedys. She, I mean, the, the uh, Clintons. She had uh, all this stuff, and he squashed it. Wow. So January, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to boomerang on them. It really is. It's going to boomerang on them. Truth and justice shall prevail. Well, it can't happen fast enough for me. I know. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator and soon-to-be president of the Senate, Florida State Senate, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. So the governor signed the budget. He, uh, he chopped off, lopped off about $4 billion of expenses that were in there, a little bit of fat. What are your thoughts? Well, um, you know, he had signaled uh, early on that he was going to, well, he originally said he was going to cut $2 billion, and then it ended up being $3 billion. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that uh, he needs to, I mean, I had a, a number of projects that were in the budget that I thought were, uh, good, good projects that had statewide significance. So I was largely um, spared the veto pen, um, but but most of what he vetoed were either really large projects that he figured we could do later on, or or whatever. He didn't want the budget to uh, uh, grow exponentially from I think you know 107 billion to 100. I think we ended up 112. So. I, you know, I don't have a problem with those vetoes, and I, you know, obviously, uh, when I when I take on the role of president, I'll sit down with him ahead of time and say, "So, what do you want to do?" You know, uh, I really commend. I think when I think what do we have a twenty billion dollar reserve now? Uh, it's a substantial reserve. It's about, it's about it's about eight now. $8 billion? Okay. So, so, but the point being is that while some states are kind of really struggling to uh, maintain and, and uh, they're somewhat rudderless in their uh, financially, Florida is extremely strong and the governor continues to fund things that are very important to our well-being. For example, uh, you know, bonuses for hiring police officers and so forth. Right. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I agree with that. Um, uh, I will say, you know, in, in uh, support of my colleagues, uh, it takes uh, the uh, legislature as the appropriator, and the governor can't just decide who to fund because we appropriate the funds. The good part is that we all agree on how the funds are to be appropriated. Um, you know, the the pay raises for state employees and all were were actually President Simpson's um, uh, priority and. 
and he and the governor agreed on that. So, you know, it, it's not all the governor, yeah. but I will say he's been a great leader. Yeah, well, thanks for pointing that out. That is important. I'm quite certain that what happens is the appropriation's there, and he simply promotes it during a... a uh, exactly. When, when he's uh, announcing it. So thank you for that clarification. You know, I saw a column in uh, Florida's Voice. Now, this is a flvoicenews.com, kind of interesting uh, uh, news out of Florida. It says the Florida Democrat Party in shambles as voters registration dips and party left rudderless. wonder if you, you know, the headline kind of says it all. What are your thoughts? Well, I think... Um it's kind of a long, complicated discussion, but the bottom line is that the pandemic changed the world, and Florida stayed open. And so what happened was we had so many people moving to Florida from other states that were closed down, and the people that were moving we originally thought were maybe liberal or whatever because they're moving from liberal states like New York and Massachusetts and whatever, but we found out that the people who moved here were the conservative uh, uh, residents of those states who were saying enough's enough. So we picked up a lot of Republican registrants. Uh, the governor did a really terrific job over the past two years. I served on this committee on uh, registration and you know of uh, Republicans. So we did a you know, they're just we've out outpaced the Democrats for voter registration. That coupled with the fact that our policies, in, in terms of uh, you know business friendly, you know keeping the state open, um, uh, making sure that that our our residents are taken care of. I mean, we do a really, I think, a really good job actually over the last ten years. So we have. Um, we're able to raise a lot more money than the Democrats, uh, which is what you need to uh, run races, particularly in the, the areas like Miami and Tampa, where the uh, cost, TV costs, et cetera, is just exorbitant. So, um, and I, so that's why we're doing so well. And, and uh, I mean, I knock on wood. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, uh, you do, this is an opportunity to point out, though, you know, we have, I think it is nine major markets in Florida. In Massachusetts, if you run ads in the Boston newspaper or in the, uh, on the uh, TV stations, then you only, it's, you only, there's only one market there. So you, you don't, you don't have nine times like that in, in, uh, in Florida. It's right. just really, really expensive. Yeah. And, it is very expensive. Um, uh, you know, we've been buying uh, TV uh, and radio ads uh, for a while, space, and uh, through the Senate campaigns, and it's it's just astounding how expensive it is. Yeah, yeah, and we're buying it from those very same entities that are constantly bashing us. <laughs> but they're willing to put <laughs> out your. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, so they, they'll let us put out our ads, but, but at the same time, there's one article after the other saying how horrible we are. Yeah, well, dollars <laughs> dollars uh, are expensive, but they don't—they're not political. I mean, they—they <laughs> they speak all kinds of language. So, uh, Kathleen, uh, the the other part of this though is that uh, where's the leadership in the Democrat Party? I mean, a, one of the candidates just dropped out of the uh, governor's race. I mean that kind of leaves Charlie Crist in the uh, department of and the I forgot her name now in the uh, Vicky Freed Vicky yeah, Freed to be battling it out. Right. Yeah, I mean the, it, it, there's nothing there. I, I don't see, see any leadership. I think that's true. Um, I, you know, I have to give the governor a lot of credit. He uh, he's really um, uh, energized the Republican Party and the Republican uh, not just base, but. Um, he's energized the rank and file Republican with his policies. Uh, when you think about, I travel all over the country uh, uh, trying to raise money for Senate campaigns. Everywhere I go, people say people are like, "Do you know the governor? He is he is so great." It's everywhere. Yeah. And I think I think you know it's just that no nonsense. Look, we're going to keep the state open. We're going to promote our businesses and. Um, protect our citizens and and it really and there's no one in the in the democratic party that can say anything about that and then the other problem they have is that there's there's so many progressives that have really wacky policies that nobody likes 
so they just they, they just can't coalesce. I know. You know, if you're a corporation, you got to be very careful not to be woke because the governor is going to find the, <laughs> the underbelly. I mean, just recently, the uh, unwillingness, and I don't think he did it necessarily as a. Uh, 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 to to uh, strike back at the Devil Rays, but uh, not to fund the spring training camp for the Devil Rays, $35 million. He struck that out of the budget, uh, you know, and then followed that on well, what happened with Disney. I, I mean, it, it sends a I message. Don't think, I don't think the uh, veto of the funding for the Rays uh, had anything to do with policies because uh, he also vetoed a couple of other uh, uh, baseball-type facilities. In fact, one was in Benita. Um, and he made a very clear statement that he does not believe public dollars should be spent on sports fields or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, we have to have a conversation. I think there's a little difference between, you know, funding uh, a baseball stadium for a private team as opposed to maybe baseball fields in a, in a local, for a local community that is going to be doing some, you know, bringing in kids from around the country and stuff like that. Um, but it, I don't think it had anything to do with policies of, of how they feel about wokeness or not. Right. Well, irrespective, it kind of sends that message anyhow. And I just really appreciate that. Number one, your leadership and what you're doing. I'm just really excited that you're going to become the president of the Senate here in the next election and also the, the leadership from the governor. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of The Bob Harden Show here on The Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Seton, tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and it's we're we're headed in the wrong direction. It's a big job, but we your work is important, so keep it up, Seaton. <laughs> so you wrote a column which I found pretty fascinating: the latest fraud, the newest leftist net neutrality poll. Polling's not always honest, is it? Well, no. Regular polling isn't honest, and this is trumpeted. I was tempted to put in all the headlines that this poll generated 
because it was you know the, the the tech media is is just like the regular big media it's it's leftist and skewed and and terrible and it generated dozens of headlines different articles all over the place about this poll well i said well let's look at the poll and the first thing i noticed was it's an online poll mm. and they're they're corrupt they're completely corrupt you can you, you can't control any anything you know they said 75 percent of republicans even support net neutrality and I'm like, how do you know they're? It's online. How do you know they're Republicans? Because they said so. Yeah. So, I mean, see, see, before before we continue, uh, define net neutrality for those of us that might be in the dark. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a stupid set of regulations that the left's been pushing for on the internet since basically the beginning of the internet really becoming a thing. And what it says is, it's 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 basically outlawing unicorns, it's saying the internet can't block you from going to legal websites they can't slow you down and of course that's never ever happened you ask the biggest net neutrality proponent and say give me an example of the internet provider and of course the free market takes care of this if you hire an internet provider and they block you from going to websites you want to go to you're going to fire them and hire someone else right um but there's all the reason they're jamming through is all kinds of downsides to uh net neutrality one of them being um, it outlaws paid prioritization, which, of course, is stupid. Even the government post office lets you pay more for faster delivery speeds. And there's all kinds of great things that can come out of paying more for faster dedicated service. Uh, the example I always like to use is from doctors doing remote surgery, right? Mm -hmm. They need a dedicated line. They can't be thrown into the, pool, the main pool with everyone else and get slowed down because someone's playing World of Warcraft, and the the bandwidth gets clogged up, and he can't, you know, he's in the middle of a surgery, you know. But there's, there's thousands of examples we haven't even thought of yet mm -hmm. of reasons to pay for, you know, faster service, dedicated service. And we do it in every other sector of the economy. Why can't we do it here? It's just dumb. Now we do it with our um, mail, but, for, for crying out loud. We, yes, the government mail the government that's going to outlaw it on the internet does it with the mail. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's unbelievable. Every other sector does it. Every other sector does it. Um, uh, faster service, better service, you know, whatever. Um, first class on a plane versus coach. Uh, you know, I mean it's all there's all kinds of differentiation of service in the private sector. Anyone outlawed here? And, and another reason, and this is what, the reason it's been kept alive so long is because big tech wants it. And big tech wants it because it outlaws them being charged for the bandwidth they use. Right. And six big tech companies, say, and you can name them off the top of your head probably, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, six big tech companies use 55% of all bandwidth in the world. Wow. And they'd be outlawed, we'd be outlawed from charging them. Well, if we can't charge them, we pay more. We'll be augmenting the profits of Apple and Amazon via net neutrality. This, that's the dirty little secret. That's why it's been kept alive all this time. It's because big tech has been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And by the way, that percentage is only going to grow when you can think about how the, the market is exploding with regard to streaming services. The, 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 video, online video, far and away, is the most bandwidth-intensive activity. Right. So, yes, it's, and it's only going to get worse. You're right. So, anyway, that's net neutrality. So, they did this poll. It's online. Online can be you – know, you can have one leftist organization hire five Russian spammers, and they could have represented 2,000-plus uh, poll takers in this alleged online poll. You don't know. And, and it, uh, it, they're rife for fraud like that. So you don't know how, if they're Republicans. You don't know who took the poll. You don't know what's going on with the poll. Then, of course, it's, it's a push poll. And push polling is when you feed them information you want them to have to then slant their op opinion after they have it. Right. And you can feed them all kinds of lies. And I, uh, the way I knew that this was a, a, a fraudulent poll, and again, was I went to the University of Maryland's website, and they said, we gave them information on net neutrality. I said, okay, what information did you give them? And they did not provide the information they gave the poll takers 
to us. I couldn't see what they provided them. Yeah, yeah. So you know that they were pushing them in the wrong, you know, in, in, in the pro-net neutrality direction with the information they provided. Um, and again, all the things we just discussed, all the negatives of net neutrality, want to bet they didn't mention any of them? Yep, unbelievable. To the people that they then polled? Um, when I first got the Media Research Center, when I worked there in 2000 and, was it seven? 2007, I wrote a piece called The Psychiatric Polling of the Press. And this is back when George Bush was president. And I was no huge fan of George Bush, but I'd point out, I pointed out, gee, the media spends six months saying George Bush is an asshat. Then they poll their audience and say, do you think George Bush is an asshat? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I, gee, you just spent the last six months telling me he's an asshat. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, cl it's closed circle. It's, it's, it's completely fraudulent. And, you know, let alone the fact that it's a push poll, let alone the fact that it's, it's, it's an online poll. And, 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 then to watch these dozens of stories generated off of this, it just shows how the how the entire process is corrupt. Absolutely, Seat Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. So grateful that uh, you've pointed out again uh, how we're fed information and how how we're manipulated in terms of our opinions. This is not going to lead to a good result. So, Seat, appreciate your voice on this. LessGovernment.org is the website, and also you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seat, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we're going to uh, visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, and Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, that's how we get the word out about our advertisers who, uh, quite frankly, we couldn't do the show without their support. So thank you for that. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.